This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Tuesday the 1st of June 2021. And Norman, we heard yesterday that there were two different aged care facilities that have positive cases attached to them in Victoria at the moment. And we know from last year's very long, very hard Victorian lockdown that, I mean, we already knew that people who are elderly are at highest risk of getting severe COVID. And we saw it happen in real life in Victoria last year. And we know that those people were front of the queue to get vaccinated. And a lot of them haven't been how on earth did we end up in this position again? Well, just to clarify the position as we as we record this, and it could change overnight, is that uh, we had a, a worker who was infectious two days last week, was tested last week and positive uh, late last week and was a worker at the Arcare Maidstone facility. She has unfortunately transmitted the virus to at least one resident, a 99-year-old person, um, who I understand has been decanted or is about to be decanted to a private facility. At the moment, that person didn't have symptoms when we heard yesterday. That's right, and was other, otherwise well, just to isolate from the rest of the, of the community in the facility. And that uh, also, also passed it to another worker who also worked at another facility, which is actually against the guidelines. Uh, we are supposed to not have casualised labour anymore and not supposed to be working at two different facilities, but these are not well-paid well, well people, and uh, this person was, in fact, working at another facility at Blue Cross. And it's unknown yet whether or not this person has passed it on to anybody at Blue Cross at the time, again, that we are talking. So here we go again. And the situation is that about 30% of the residents have not been vaccinated at all. And the rest of them who had been vaccinated had only had one dose. And only a third of staff members had been vaccinated and they had had only one dose. So here you have a situation where we've got a variant that requires two doses to have adequate coverage. We've got uh, last night on 7.30, I had Professor Cathy Eager on talking about this and claims that not enough has changed in aged care since last year's outbreaks in both New South Wales and Victoria where we still have facilities, maybe even 60%, who have inadequate staffing with expert uh, registered nurses who are essential to infection control and therefore believes that the ground is set for um, another outbreak in residential aged care you should the virus get in there and start to spread. Right. And so we know that there were things that happened last year that could have changed and that haven't, like you just said. And the other really big thing that has changed since last year is that we have vaccines. And we talked a lot yesterday on yesterday's CoronaCast about that, the timeline that has not been met. But what about the aged care workers' access to vaccines? Because I've heard reports that it is not a straightforward process for these people to be covered. And you can see, well, it's happened in this situation. It's not this woman's fault, but this is how it gets into a facility in the first place. That, that's right. And a lot of uh, healthcare workers are under the age of 50 and need the Pfizer vaccine. And I think it varies a bit from state to state. But nonetheless, the decision was, despite the fact that the states offered to go in, and it should be noted that in Victoria, public aged care facilities are, are fully vaccinated, when I say fully vaccinated, almost all have had the second dose. And the um, and so they've managed to do that with staff. 
but the Commonwealth opted to separate this out with private contractors who were going in and that staff were separated out and they had to go and see their own GP unless there were leftover vaccine doses, in which case they could get a dose at the facility if there was leftover doses. So in other words, it was not systematic that staff would be covered. And the other misconception with the, the last year's outbreak is the belief that family brought the virus into aged care. In fact, it was staff members who brought the virus into aged care. I'm not blaming staff here. Part of the reason was that family weren't allowed in at all. But it was staff who brought it in. And so staff are a really high priority. And the vaccines are the equivalent, once you've had your second dose, of wearing a mask. And if you add a mask on top of that, you become really safe. Yeah, convenience and access are two really big parts of being able to get good vaccination coverage. It is really curious that it hasn't been made as easy as possible for these people to get access to the vaccines. And as we said in yesterday's Peronacast, the states and territories are the ones who pick up the bill and the services for the problems that might be created in private aged care, and they don't have visibility on the data by by centre. So we have seen cases each day since the lockdown, the what was originally announced to be a seven-day lockdown was announced. We've had cases each day. We're seeing this situation in aged care. The uh, Chief Health Officer and other people in Victoria yesterday wouldn't be drawn on whether the lockdown would be extended or not. But uh, Norman, what do you reckon? Um, It's very hard to see how it won't be extended. You know, when you've got 11 cases yesterday, we don't know yet how many cases there will be today. When you've got that number of cases, it's very hard to actually walk it back to zero. And of course, that's probably what they're going to have to do politically as well as public health sense is have some donut days, is have a few days in a row where you haven't got any cases. And that's probably where they want to be. They were very careful not to admit that. Now, they could relax lockdown at a handful of cases if they're all linked So if you've had two or three days where you've got a small number of cases and they're all linked and you've sorted out this aged care worker and where she might have got it from, then you could tolerate a low number of cases that are linked and the contact tracers will sort that out. So you don't have to go to zero. But it's very hard to see if you've got 11 cases yesterday and you've got a second aged care facility and this possibility that a child might have either contracted it or spread it then there's there are too many unknowns at the moment and Thursday is only a couple of days away. Yeah, so when you're saying they're linked, like presumably there's, I mean, there's so many people who are in quarantine now because they've been to an exposure site. The hope is that if there are new cases coming through, they're happening in people who are already in quarantine. That's the other criterion, absolutely. So that's what you want is that people are in their own home, away from everybody else, and that's where where they become positive. And then you can really start relaxing about the situation to some extent, to an extent that you can relieve some of the lockdown. Well, it's it's elicited a very pithy question from Jeremy, who's asking, when does a cluster become a wave? Hmm. When the cluster spreads to other clusters and then you just get a spread throughout the community. A good example of that was, in fact, unfortunately, uh, Victoria last year in June. And that was multiple clusters. You had workplaces like the Meatworks and other sites. Um, You had suburbs spreading. You had 5,000 mystery cases. That's clearly a wave. You can't just blame it on one single cluster. And at the moment, you've got two or three different, you've got a few different clusters here. I've lost count exactly of how many, but they're all linked at the moment. 
but it's when you get spread in the general community and that's growing and you're not seemingly fine and you're not finding where all the cases are coming from that's when you're starting to get a wave and it was a wave in the northern beaches of sydney they they had well over 100 i think it was 150 cases from large clusters and it spread throughout the community so there's a ripple effect and that ripple becomes a wave so Norman, you said before that the people in aged care, many of them had only had the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine and or the first dose of a vaccine. And we did hear that yesterday at um, one of the press conferences that they were looking at bringing forward that second dose by, I think it was about a, a few days. Molly's asked us on Twitter, what research has been done on shortening that gap between the first and second Pfizer doses? Molly's worried that the feds are cutting corners. Um, I don't think they are. I think that they were due for a second dose this week is what I heard. So I'm not sure that they are. What, they're, what, they're, what they are saying now um, is that they're, and this is evidence from overseas, is that you actually no longer have to wait two weeks between the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine. So this was one of the reasons given for some aged care facilities not being immunised is that they wanted to have the flu vaccine. By the way, Professor Eager on last night's 7.30 didn't think that was a valid reason since they've had three months to sort themselves out. Nonetheless, you can have flu and the Pfizer back to back. And then a couple of questions. Uh, Matt and Dan are both asking, uh, well, Matt actually called me on the phone to say he was in hotel quarantine and wondering why they just don't vaccinate people on the first day of hotel quarantine. He made the point that knowing that this situation in South Australia and other places where hotel quarantine has been the source of someone being infected, uh, feeling a little edgy about that, and it feels like a good opportunity to cover more people in the population. So the short answer to that very intelligent question is yes. So why don't we? I've heard this described as programmatic laziness, that um, when you're asking people to do something that's not part of the routine, it just gets too hard. It's too hard to vaccinate Australians overseas, uh, too hard to change the way you do hotel quarantine, and presumably this is you know too hard as well. So I have no idea. Yeah, when I was speaking to this uh, guy, Matt, yesterday, who's obviously got a bit of time on his hands because he's in hotel quarantine, uh, he, made the, he made the point that there's nurses there, there's army people there, there's police there, there's a lot of resources that are around hotel quarantine at the moment. It didn't feel to him, at least, that it would be much of an impost to just throw a couple of vaccines into the mix. Yeah. Is there a case that maybe administering vaccines in hotel quarantine perhaps puts people working in those situations at risk? Yes, but they could be wearing full PPE. And, and do it. And you could put a mask on the person as well. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's Coronacast, but we'll be seeing you tomorrow. Yep, see you then. 